We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. And you're listening to AM630 KSLR. I'm John Harrison. It's 902 on the clock, which means it's time for the Bible Live Quiz Show with Soapy and Jacob. Heard here every single Sunday evening from 9 to 10.30. Now, the following program is an encore presentation of one of our previous broadcasts. So tonight's program is pre-recorded. So sit back, don't call in, save your questions for next week when Soapy and Jacob return to the airwaves. Until then, sit back for the Bible Live Quiz Show right here on AM 630 KSLR, the word to stand on for life. For yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us again for another edition of the Bible Live Quiz Show. I'm glad to have you along with us. My good friend Jacob is... Out of town this weekend, he's enjoying some time with his family over in Arizona. So uh, he's uh, 
taking care of family business there and enjoying them. And we're missing him, but we'll have a great uh, program this evening. We have a, another special guest, special to me at the very least, and I think you'll find her very special as well. It's uh, my daughter Stacy is joining us this evening. She is uh, one who knows the Scriptures as well, has been raised in the Scriptures and known uh, the Scriptures many years, and, of course, in her college in uh Studies. She has also spent a great deal of time studying the scriptures and the, the biblical worldview and Christianity and so on. So I'm glad to have a younger uh, human being of the female persuasion in the studio with us tonight. And uh, Stacy will add a, a perspective as well of the scriptures that we we'll, that we read this past week and the questions that we'll be asking you. So, Stacy, welcome aboard, hon. Thank you very much. Good Hello. to hear your voice. Uh, speak up there really cool, really loud for me okay. because, um, you know, you're a little softer voice than your dad. <laughs> All right. So Stacy's going to join with us. And, uh, honey, by the way, have you had a chance to look through some of the uh, questions and find uh, – I'm going to let you look through some of the questions from the Psalms. All right. Those first uh, questions up at the top. If you'll look through those and pick out a couple that you think would sure. be good for people to ask, I'll okay. I'll grab four, three or four questions from the book of Second Samuel, folks. That's where our questions come from tonight, from the book of Second Samuel. All of our readings this past week, as we read through the scriptures, uh, all of our readings came from the the same book, the book of Second Samuel, starting in chapter two and going through chapter twenty one. So all of these questions tonight will come from the book of Second Samuel. Let me. Um, Grab three or four of these to put out on the airwaves for you, and then we'll open our phone lines and hopefully get your uh, your answers, and you'll be winning prizes from our sponsors this week on the Bible Live Quiz Show. So let me see here. I want to start out with this question about Ishbosheth. Now, oh, it's a funny story about Ishbosheth. Uh, he is often confused with Mephibosheth, who is another personality in the time of David here. And we'll, we need to keep them separate and make sure you understand which one is which. Ishbosheth was, Saul, uh, was Saul's son, and actually he was David's. Um, he was the alternative to David being the, declared the king of Israel, the northern ten tribes. Uh, David was always accepted as king of Judah and Benjamin in the south, but the northern ten tribes they were uh, going. They were tempted to be faithful to Saul's remaining surviving son Ishbosheth. Now Mephibosheth is Jonathan's son. Jonathan, Saul's son, Jonathan, who was killed, uh, and. Remember, Jonathan is David's friend, and so Mephibosheth is a grandson of Saul uh, who was injured, if I remember correctly, as uh, they were fleeing uh, a particular battle or a particular um, particular event. I, I forgot what it was exactly. But so this is a question about Ishbosheth, Saul's son Ishbosheth, and he lost Abner's military support. Abner was his general. He lost Abner's military support because he accused the general of doing something. He accused General Abner, his military general, of doing something. What was it? You'll find the answer in Second Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. Now, I don't want to get too uh, uh, 
visual about that or even graphic or in any way, but it is significant because we often read in the scriptures about this sort of thing happening. And it has it has a, a very clear, significant political significance. It has a political meaning, uh, what happened here. So here's the question. Saul's son, Ishbosheth, lost his general Abner's military support because he accused the general of doing something. What did he accuse him of doing? And that uh, answer is found in Second Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. All right, so that's one question. Uh, let's see. Let's go down, jump down here quickly. Who was the prophet through whom the Lord spoke to David? Who was the prophet that we use, was used by the Lord to speak into David's life? Both messages of encouragement and sometimes of judgment and correction. Who was the prophet uh, through whom the Lord spoke into David's life? You'll find that answer in Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 2. And you may remember that uh, this was the prophet who confronted David about his sin with Bathsheba, if you remember that. All right, let's jump on down and take another question here. Um. How, let me see here, I've already asked you that question. Uh, Here's another one. King David, you want to jump in here and give one? (laughs) Here's one more. King David kept his promise to care for his friend Jonathan's family. King David kept his vow to care for Jonathan's family by restoring our family possessions and inviting me to live in the royal palace in Jerusalem, who am I? That's one of those who am I questions. Who was this individual who uh, was invited to live in the royal palace? You'll find that answer in Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 6. And one more question, well, Stacy. I know you're eager to keep. You've got a couple of questions there from the Psalms? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, All right. The first one. Well, hang here. Let me give one more mm-hmm. here. Uh Here is a question, who am I? There are several of these who am I questions that are probably important to keep the people straight. David had at least 20 sons, but I was the only daughter mentioned. Stacy, you should like that question. Mm. (laughs) The only daughter in the family, as, as she is. Who am I? David had at least 20 sons, but I was the only daughter Mentioned, and you'll find that in Second Samuel, chapter thirteen, verse one. And there's a very sad story attached to her life. But uh, there's the question I'm asking you now: Who was David's daughter? At least the only daughter that is mentioned in the scriptures. All right, those are four good questions now from the book of Second Samuel. If you know the answer to any of these questions, you can give us a call eight seventy seven six thirty. 5757 or our direct number our local number is 340-9585 340-9585 all right stace what do you uh what do you want to ask them from the psalms oh. chapter 61 through 65 okay well i i guess i thought the just the very first question uh is interesting um i'm not going to read your little take on it i guess at, at the start just cuz i don't want to give any hints but, okay good um 
So this is right from Psalm 61 to 65. After Samuel anointed David, how long did David wait to be crowned king of Israel? So from the time Samuel anointed him to when he actually was crowned, how how long was that gap? Okay, and we're going to make that a high-low question. We're going to give them five guesses, and oh. they guess a number. We'll tell them it's either so it's higher like or lower. One you know? year? So, yeah, we'll, right. yeah, it's somewhere between one and 50 years. Let's put you, give you the, that much of a, a parameters, okay? Okay. All right. What's the next question, Stace? Um, okay, let's see. From Psalm, let's do... Um, do, 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 do. In Psalm 63, David uses what two physical desires to illustrate how only God satisfies his spirit? And there's a, I like the song that goes with this one. Say, um, that, say that again, Stace. In Psalm 63, David uses what two physical desires to illustrate how only God satisfies his spirit? And it's, um, well, I guess the first one's Psalm 63, verse 1, and then 63, verse 5. Okay. Two physical desires, two uh, of our senses that he mm-hmm. compares that. He uses those desires to illustrate how only God can satisfy our spirit. All right, from Psalm 63. So you have now six questions out there. Let's go and get... um, Who is that on line one, uh, Aurora? Okay, let me then go here. Let's go quickly to speak with Michael. Hi, Michael. Hey, hello, Sophie. How's it going? I'm doing great. Good to hear your voice tonight. I'm glad you're calling in. Did you have a good Easter celebration with the family and so on? Yep, uh, mostly. I'm going to go visit my grandpa in the hospital, but, you know, he's doing much better. Praise oh, the Lord. glad to hear that, for sure. Glad to hear that. Were you able to attend uh, worship time together, some of the congregations, uh, maybe hear some beautiful music? or? Oh, yes, yes. Um I live out in the country, and I have this lovely little uh, country church, and we had a sunrise service. Wish you could have been there. We had a great birthday. Oh, my <laughs> land. Sunrise services. I forgot all about that. When I was a kid, we used to have a early sunrise service, and we, we put together a pageant, you know, uh, of the crucifixion and the resurrection. Oh, I remember that so fondly. I, so you're up and out early, huh? Yep. And uh, we actually had a sort of a pageant ourselves, except it wasn't the uh, crucifixion. It was whenever Jesus visited the disciples first, and, uh, you know, Thomas was missing. And so oh, yeah. our pastor played Thomas. That was uh, one of the other disciples. Oh, Daddy we Thomas. Specific names. All yep. right, all right. Well, that sounds like a great way to celebrate and remember that he is risen and that our, our Savior is not a... Uh, a dead savior is not a dead person thousands of years, but he's alive. He lives today. A uh, wonderful, wonderful way to observe uh, Resurrection Sunday. Well, let's see. Which one of these questions, Michael, did you think that, and I bet there are several of them, that you know the answer to? Yep. Well, the one I was going to answer was, uh, who am I? You know, David restored this. Um, David uh, kept his promise with Jonathan by restoring my father's land to me. The answer to that one is, uh, I'm hoping I'm saying the thing correctly, um, Mephibosheth. <laughs> you did well. You did great. Mephibosheth, or Mephibosheth, yeah, as you would say. Um, this was Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son. Yep. And uh, David kept his promise to take care of his friend Jonathan's family. That, To me, that's a... That's a great story of friendship, David and Jonathan, and him taking care of this young boy. Uh, it's a it's a great he, story. And he was really crippled. Is. Mephibosheth was. I believe it wasn't wasn't Mephibosheth uh, Michael the one that was crippled whenever 
his yes, his, uh, his nurse tried happened? to rescue him or something. Yeah, his nurse, whenever uh, she heard that Saul was dead, she grabbed him in a hurry, and I believe she tripped and he fell and became crippled from that point on. Wow, that must have been... So I... not only was, you know, David nice to Jonathan, he was also nice to a cripple man. He could have just ignored him. Right. You know, that's that must have been a severe injury because... Children are so resilient. You know, they usually are very kind of made of rubber. I, we always laugh in our family about how often our children. I'm sorry to say this. We 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 were living in Spain when the boys were born. At least uh, Stacy was born here in Texas. Um, but and we sometimes laugh about the, the number of times, particularly Sean, the second boy, <laughs> fell out of our bed, <laughs> and because there were very cold nights over in Spain in the winter. And he, he would often just roll out. And, and of course, he was so wrapped up and bundled. I don't know. I, he probably could not have harmed himself at all. But we laugh about that sometimes, how resilient children are. And they they just sort of maybe we should be actually thanking the Lord for uh, that nothing harmful happened to him. But uh, I, I was a little surprised here that, that this must have been a severe, some kind of a severe fall of some kind. Maybe the nurse I, fell on him or something. I don't know. Well, I was thinking maybe he was like an infant, and they're a little more fragile at that age. Perhaps, yeah, a new, relatively newborn. Uh, very much, very well could be. Well, you got that question exactly right. Let's run over. There you go. That's that's your celebration music, Michael. <laughs> Let's give you another quick question here. And uh, do you remember the story that the prophet told? Uh, to make David see the wickedness of his sin. Now, I, I'm not giving you the name of the prophet because I think that's one of the question. Who was the prophet uh, who spoke, who, whom the Lord used to speak into David's life and uh, from Second Samuel 7? But do you remember the story that that prophet told that made, made David see the wickedness of his sin? Yes, I do, and I'll try not to say the name of the prophet. Thank you. What was what was the story? Is it, it's kind of an interesting tale, I thought. There was once a rich man who had many sheep, and uh, there was once a poor man who only had one sheep. Now, the difference between the two was that the poor man loved his sheep like you know it was his own kid. He would feed it from his hand. You know, he would let it walk in the house. And one day, the rich man had a, a visitor. And instead of going to go take uh, one of his own lambs, he uh, took from the poor man and ate it for himself. Wow. That, that is mean. I, I, even here thousands of years later, I still consider that to be what a mean, inconsiderate person. So I guess that that story does convey uh, the truth of this. And it was so interesting that David didn't even get it. Mm-hmm. He didn't get it at first, and, and then... And the prophet had to stick his bony finger in his face and say, You are the man. You're the man. You did this. And uh, I think David had thought this happened probably a year after the uh, incident itself. And I think David may have the idea that he'd gotten away with it. Because the, the prophet says, You know, you did this in secret. Your God says, You did this in secret, but I'm going to punish you in public. And, and so he may have thought, that he had gotten away with this, that it wasn't well known in the general public. Um, I don't know. It sounds like it, at least. But he was sure called on the carpet. And what was the story? What was he called on? What was the story that he was... The story about his uh, 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 adultery, right? 
Right. Well, Bathsheba, yeah. Yeah, he took he took another man's wife. I just wanted to make wife. sure that yeah. we knew who the lamb was. <laughs> yeah, Poor Bathsheba. Michael, yeah, way, who was this women. little lamb? That was that uh, Bathsheba. That, that whole this whole story is so wrapped in in interesting details. And I, I'm if you hang on, Michael, I'm going to turn you over to Aurora and let her get the information so we can send our prize package to you. But I want to share something that Jacob shared with me not long ago, and I checked it out uh, with some research into uh, the Hebrew background of what happened there. And it's very interesting. I think you guys will find it interesting because I have often wondered, why wasn't David punished more severely? Because both of those sins, adultery and murder, are capital sins. And, and they they merit and deserve, clearly from, from God's laws, they merit the death penalty. And I've always kind of wondered in the back of my mind, why was it, why did David get a pass? Why was he able to do this? And and I, I found out some things that, it, some so actually some legalities, kind of lawyer talk in reality, but there's some legalities behind the situation that may have served as a little bit of mitigating circumstances for uh, this particular situation. I, I want you all to hang on. We'll try to. I'll try to explain that uh, this during the program this evening because it is kind of one. I think a lot of us have asked ourselves, "How did David get by with that?" <laughs> and now, of course, he was punished. You remember, Michael, that he was punished there with. with difficulties and problems in his family and so on. I, oh, yeah. Which may be the lot. worst punishment of all. I'm not sure. But um, anyway, yeah, I've got I some to know what David went to. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be sure and share some of that things, the stuff later this evening. But right now, if you don't mind, hang on. Talk to Aurora. Let's get that information, and we'll send along some prizes to you, Michael. All Thanks right. for Have calling in. All right. You Thank too, you my friend. Michael, What's left of it? Stacy, yes. let's go and visit. You're going to like Jacob. Yes. Jacob, hi. how are you tonight? Well, hi. I was on the call and wish you a happy Easter. Thank you very much. How's your time? How's is, how is Arizona? How's Arizona? Yes. Uh, Arizona is pretty nice, and uh, I should be returning this next week. And as you know, I came over with my family for Passover. Oh, I? wonderful. Well, good to hear your voice. It really is. How's the grandchild, the grandson? Well, uh, he's doing just fine, and he's uh, he's got a lot more presents than he had before I arrived. <laughs> well, that's what we're for. That's what grandparents are for, just spoil them rotten, you know. You know that, right? Well, that's what he told me. He said, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> he told and, you uh, that, so, huh? I thought that was a kind of a Jewish tradition. that. Uh, it, well, it is. And, his, uh, of course, his name is uh, Davin or Tavin, Tavin, and that means in Hebrew, you will understand. <laughs> <laughs> so he got it. <laughs> he got it. So he got it better than I did, I guess. Uh, Jacob, while you're on the line, I'm going to get you to explain, if you don't mind, what I just mentioned to Michael. This thing that sometimes we wonder, and I don't know, Stacy, if you've uh, ever mm-hmm. heard of this or not, that why David was not punished more uh, you know, even with the death penalty for what would have been considered uh, capital crimes, uh, adultery and and uh, murder of Uriah the Hittite. Uh, I might mess it up a little bit. I was wondering if you might take a moment, would you mind, and tell folks about this thing called a get. Uh, it's yeah. a legal thing, that a legal what, a tool that was in place, and, and also this idea that why Uriah 
actually had already deserved the capital punishment. He didn't deserve maybe to die the way he did, but he was already under um, under capital punishment for uh, supposedly worthy of death already uh, b- before before even uh, David caused it to happen. Now, uh, it, it sounds a little bit like uh, l- lawyerly wrangling to me a little bit, but on the other hand, it, it, it is a reality. I, I checked it out for sure. Can you explain that to us? I bet you can do that a lot better than I could. And real quickly. Well, I, just, oh. I don't know if I could do it better okay. than you, but I, I can offer an explanation. Okay. We don't have too much time, but give okay. it a shot. It, uh, a get, believe it or not, ironically, is the Jewish name, the Hebrew name for the word divorce. And all soldiers, when they go to war, they to save their wife a period of time, uh, they actually initiate a conditional divorce. And so if they should die, she's automatically divorced, she inherits, and she's free to marry at once. And that divorce is retroactive back to the time they were married, right? That is correct, yes. Yes, that's an important detail because that... That is what made David's uh, problem here with Bathsheba not technically not adultery because she had been granted that get back to uh, the time of her marriage. So that, in that sense, is is that a right interpretation? Yes. Okay. No, you're saying it 100 percent correct. Wow. And the and the truth is, I think you're 100 percent correct when you say also. It's a guy that obviously understands and knows the rules, David, and he's obviously doing some sharp practicing there to manipulate the rules to come out the way he wants. Yeah, so he's not he's not like it's not like he's innocent in any way, shape, or form. But it could be a the, just that mitigating circumstances that makes us understand why he wasn't necessarily put to death. You know, according well, to well, that's the, true. And I will say that the story of David. You remember that, that there's a place where. David has said, God said, David's a man after my own heart. Yes. And people don't understand this because of all these apparently evil things or bad things that David may have done. But the point of that is it's the model of the story for all Jews on how you go about sincerely repenting because when the guy that I won't mention tells him about the little sheep, you know, David is so incensed, he jumps off the throne and says, who's the guy out killing myself? I'll go get him, yeah. <laughs> and, You're uh, the and man. Yeah. Well, and the point is that he didn't try to defend himself, excuse himself. He accepted his guilt and repentance. He sure did. That that's uh, that, that's to his credit. And and I think you're right. Not only for Jewish community, for believers everywhere. When we read Psalm 51, where David's uh, psalm of contrition and of confession of sin. And other Psalm 38, uh, 138, I guess it is, where he talks about forgiveness and cleansing. Uh, it is, it does serve as a model for us. Well, Jacob, so good to hear from you. Oh, uh, what about the thing? Uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about the thing with uh, Uriah the Hittite. Uh, why he was? It's a little easier for me to explain that. Thank you for okay, calling, li- friend. And listen, one thing I want to leave you with, if I may, Sophie. Uh, are you talking? Right. We'll have to come right back. back. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. 
Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. If you lease office, retail, or warehouse space for your business, the last thing you want to do is overpay the landlord. But it happens every day. Hi, I'm Scott McMurray and president of Bottom Line Realty Advisors. We work with business people who want an effective strategy for their next real estate decision. Whether leasing or buying, it affects your bottom line. Your landlord has representation, and you should too. Even if you're a good tenant with no plans to move at all, You're the most vulnerable to getting a really bad deal. We only represent our clients, never landlords, so we have no conflict of interest. We stay on your side. Call me, Scott McMurrian, at 210-535-7800, and we'll negotiate from a position of strength. BottomLineRealtyAdvisors.com Bottom Line Realty Advisors We get the landlord off your bottom line this is Roddy Crankshaw coming to you today here at 6.30, The Word. Just want to invite you to come out and be with us on Sunday nights at 10.30. We're going to be praying for the sick. We're going to be praying for those that are needing prayer. We want you to call in and just remind you, 10.30 on Sunday nights, you're welcome to call in. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back, Soapy and Stacy here on the line. We've got Jacob on the phone line calling in from Arizona, and uh, we were not through talking with Jacob. We were discussing the situation with David and his sin of adultery and later on the crime of murdering Uriah the Hittite, the wife, uh, the husband of uh, Bathsheba. And we were talking about this kind of a confusing situation. I think a lot of us through the years have wondered, how did David get off relatively, I guess, lightly, although he suffered a great deal in his family and the nation suffered because of his sin, his disobedience. But still, I guess those would be considered lesser punishments than the death penalty, which you know, both uh, adultery and uh, murder were capital crimes. So we talked about this thing called a get, or I like to call it a little bit of a Hebrew mulligan in a way. Um, <laughs> he got a second uh, shot here because of of this legality of this divorce that was... Now, was David the first one to issue this kind of uh, divorce, or, or was this standard practice 
among kings and, and and political leaders or military leaders? No, actually, that's uh, been a long-standing uh, Jewish army soldier tradition. It's always been done. Uh, in fact, it, 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 a model for that is actually followed in Israel and even in the armies today. Is that a fact? Huh? Interesting. I, okay. Go ahead, honey. Well, Betsy I, I, had a question about it. As, as you can imagine, now a woman, she's a little bit upset about this. Well, and, not a, I'm just <laughs> curious. I don't understand the, the retroactive part of it. Why does? Why would the divorce have been retro what's the point of that uh so she doesn't have to wait a period of time uh to remarry or find a form a new family a new husband so she's free so it's really intention is meant to give her her immediate freedom without a period of mourning in reality there's going to be a certain amount of mourning us certainly but the, it's supposed to give her her immediate uh, rights and her immediate freedom where she's not encumbered by a person that died in, in a battle. Couldn't they have just said, well, then when he immediate, when he dies, that you have immediate, <laughs> you know, I, because I guess well, it implies, well, if I'm understanding it correctly, it's implying by saying the divorce is retroactive, it's, it's essentially saying, well, then you were never actually married. In some ways it is, a null, it is annulling the marriage. I guess. And is that is that my understanding? And that well, would, that would yeah, be what it, set David free from the charge of that's adultery. That's why it wasn't adultery because technically she yeah. wasn't married because it was retroactive divorce. That is the idea, right? That's yeah, nice. that is the idea, and it, and really it goes on with and did go on for anybody. So even David himself, had he led a, a battle, he would have had to do the same thing, huh. and it's meant to do the right. For your survivors, mm-hmm. hmm. <laughs> that was the intention of it, and and then of course the thing with Uriah, my understanding was that since he had already disobeyed a direct order of the monarch of the king, that actually he himself was already under the for disobeying David's command to go home and do this things. Now I don't get this. To be very honest, with Jacob, it's it's hard, a little bit hard to swallow. It's very lawyerly. And, and you being a lawyer, maybe we're, <laughs> maybe we're asking the wrong person here. But but uh, it, it seems like legal wrangling, and I guess maybe it is. How is it seen? How is it understood uh, by uh, rabbis and, and, and Jewish uh, people? Through, well, how was this passage understood through the years? Well, it is true that he uh, that, and I think you're right. In all fairness, I think they're coming up with. Uh, you know, something to sort of clean up David's reputation. I really believe that. At the same time, it is, the word is halactically. It is an accepted law that if you choose to go to war and serve Israel, and at that time the king, uh-huh. then you are honor-bound to fulfill that duty. The question really comes in not so much with that, but with the uh, idea of Uriah is a Hittite. And you remember that, too. that he was yes. one of David's mighty men. Yes. At, and that and people don't catch that. He's one of the real reliable guys. And yet he disobeyed. And so, and he's a Hittite. And yet we remember there was commandments for the, the, get the Hittites out of the land. But to understand that rule entirely meant if the Hittites stayed in Israel, they could stay, anybody could stay, as long as they didn't do idol worship and that kind of thing. So we know that he stayed, became a mighty man of David, that he was no longer an idol worshiper. He was a believer in 
uh, one God, monotheism. But he didn't lose his national characteristic of being a Hittite. <laughs> which which could be... Uh, could uh, Memories go so long in that part of the world, I guess even back in that time, that uh, those kind of things pop up. Well, it's... Maybe we won't solve it in the evening this evening, but the, I, I think those factors came into play, and they have helped me at least a little bit understand, well, there must have been something going on, because it seems just so blatant, blatant and, and clear-cut that, that David got away with something that maybe he shouldn't have been able to, uh, although we know he was punished and he suffered a great deal and the nation suffered a great deal, it wasn't the same as uh, you know a capital crime and being executed or stoned to death. Right. But yeah, um, and, and listen, I won't stay in line, but I, do, I don't know if you're going to have a question. If you are, I don't want to steal your thunder. No, don't. But, you uh, go, you uh, go right ahead. I'd like to hear it. the other topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is something that I really, really uh, enjoy understanding, and it's been taught to mm-hmm. me for, you know, Centuries, <laughs> but you're, you're uh, not that old, surely. Well, C- centuries uh, old. No, my name's not Shirley. <laughs> what did Shirley had to do with anything? Uh, yes. But I will tell you in uh, chapter six, uh, in verse six to seven, you've got that great uh, episode of Uzzah putting his hand on the ark, and he died. And he dies. That's right. And I don't know if you're going to ask a question about that. If you are, I don't want to steal any thunder about that, but. Uh, would, would you like me to share a thought? Yes, about I that? would. I'd love to hear your thought, and um, then I can contradict it. You know. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, uh, contradiction is shows that we have an obviously uh, ex- exploration of intelligent people. That's right. Go for it. Uh, uh, okay. So what we got here is Uzzah. First of all, is not a Levite. He's not supposed to be transporting the ark. True. Levites transport, and certainly this is another major fault of David because he did not use Levites. But there it sounds is like nothing... a, remember the Philistines put the put the uh, um, Ark of the, the Covenant. They put it on a cart as well. That wasn't supposed to be the way it was carried either, was it? Th- that's correct, and that's why they got rats eating their piles. Yeah. Oh yes, that's right. Uh, so, but here's uh, here, also what you've got here is. The earth is made by God. Dirt and the earth does not sin. What's dirty to God is sin. And Uriah, uh, I'm sorry, Uzzah had, you know, he was a sinner. So he was the dirt. The ark resting on the land of the soil that God made was not a problem because uh, the earth doesn't sin. That's not dirty to God. What's dirty to God is sin. Sin, yes. Okay, I think I get it, and that's why. Uh, and yet, and yet, who was supposed to? It was supposed to be carried by, and by. Oh, angels. it was supposed to be carried on poles by Levites, yes. correct? That's right. Okay. Only, only the Levites can and, carry the earth, and not on a cart like this. Not on a cart. And even if it had fallen and hit the ground, is what you're saying is that would not have been the devastating oh. thing. Yeah, even if even if it had fallen on dirt, that's not an issue. But they were not but obeying. The issue is no. what you contaminated, what's holy with. The word, of course, in Hebrew is kadosh. Yeah. But what's uh, what you contaminate the holy with is the introduction of sin. Yeah. And sin is dirty to God, not the ground that God made. And these that's instructions we're, were made clear. It wasn't like they didn't know these. They had just chosen not to follow 
they didn't think they were that important, evidently, or something. I don't know well, why they didn't follow find, that mandate. That's right. You'll find later on that David finally takes a look at the Bible and says, oh, I'm supposed to do it that way? Oh, yeah. He got it right the next time. That's true. Yeah, unfortunately, it cost somebody their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's one wonderful little thing there. I don't know if it comes out in this particular passage, but they put the ark after that disaster. They put the ark. Do you remember what happened, Stace? They put where they what they did with the ark once he they couldn't. They put it in the home of this fellow. Uh, It was a guy named uh, something Odom. Uh-huh. Uh, I've forgotten his last uh, his last name. <laughs> uh, last name. Maybe they don't have last names. But they put, they put it, uh, I've forgotten the fellow's name. But but because he was willing to take the ark into his home, and I believe he was a Levite, this fellow, and yeah. Obedi Dom. Obedi Dom, and his and his family is blessed. He has right. an incredible number of children and grandchildren, and they all turn out to be gifted, godly young men and women, and serving in the temple and all. And I mean, if you follow, you have to follow through with the scriptures. But Obedi Dom uh, experienced great blessing of God for his willingness to keep the uh, Ark of the Covenant in his home. I don't know how long he kept, maybe and six months or not so. Touch it, <laughs> and not well. He's a Levite. Well, I guess he no. still couldn't touch it. But, yeah, and not touch it, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think that is the idea was that even for Uzzah, Uzzah, am I pronouncing it correctly? Uh-huh. Right? I think so. Just the, um, that, I mean, because it does seem harsh. It's almost rea- you know, impulsive to put one's hand out. It's almost like a reflex reaction. But that there was kind of a lack of just general respect for what it was and yeah. what if, well, if one right. really yeah. had an understanding of what this is they that's would right. approach they it with much uh, more you're absolutely right they didn't regard holy as being holy yeah. and, and, and this uh, doesn't mean and, interesting. go ahead i was gonna say and notice the same understanding of rules apply with building an altar remember the altars that the jews had to build they could not use a sword or hewn altar another one carved it was an altar built out of the earth of god it wasn't like other nations that would make beautiful fancy altar and it says you should not hewn with a sword because uh-huh. it's, first of all a sword or a sharp instrument is an instrument of war right. and there's nothing unholy about what god has made so their altars are like what you and i might just consider a pile of dirt maybe. just natural rocks that were there uh-huh. the way they were they couldn't carve on them or shape them or anything uh, exactly, exactly right. Exactly right. Well, um, Uzzah, and it, this doesn't mean, by the way, that Uzzah was not saved or that Uzzah did not go on to a eternal reward to be with God. I, I mean, you have to remember, I guess, folks, even back in that in those Old Testament times, they too were concerned about salvation and life after death and going to be with God forever. And this doesn't mean that Uzzah was not maybe a believer. He just made a pretty bad mistake and got to see Jesus beforehand, you know, I've earlier than he that. would have. I've wondered if it was something that truly was almost uh, magnetic or energy. I know that sounds yeah. so silly, but wonder if it was something that the art, it just, or if that was. God You've been saying. watching Raiders of the, <laughs> Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Stars, right? Eyes, exactly. Right? Was this a sci-fi moment, or was it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't know. Well, it is hard not to inject a certain amount of like right. almost uh, superstition or magic or whatever into uh, these things that happened, and yet um, I, I resisted a little bit. But of course, even if it was that, I you know, you can't remove the supernatural well. from it. I right. guess, yeah. But Thank you, Jacob. Well, yeah. It, it, it be- 
form over substance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, well, listen, I know you got a show to do, so I won't stay online, mm-hmm. but thank you for taking my call. You bet. Good to hear from you, friend. Look forward to getting you back home. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Nice Let's... talk, Stacey. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, kind of over the phone. <laughs> Good to talk to you. On the air here. Let's yeah. go and visit with Rusty. He was calling in as well. Hi, Rusty. Hey, Sophie. How was your Easter? We had a good Easter, a quiet. Uh, well, we had a little bit of our family time yesterday, Easter Eve, I guess you'd call it. Today, yeah. I got to go out and uh, we got to encourage and minister to our uh, basic military trainees at Lackland Air Force Base and uh, about twelve or 1,300 young men and women and got to share the gospel and see, you know, a good number, almost a hundred, come to faith in Christ on Easter Sunday. That's it's just a. Really? We had a great morning. You really time a Walk great down the aisle, huh? Well, they they no we they 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 indicated on a sheet of paper that they had prayed and trusted Christ to come into their heart and invited you know Jesus promised. So it wasn't an aisle situation, but we had they did respond clearly in writing. Hey. You know, I did this. You know, and so uh, saved it's exciting. Saved. Yeah. It's exciting for us, Rusty. How about yours? How did it go? Oh, I live out here in the woods, and I had a real nice, peaceful one. Did you just go out and preach to the trees and the stumps and the and the rocks? No, I mostly listened <laughs> to the trees and the stumps and the rocks. Oh, and the wind and the little bit of rain we got. Oh, that's true. We could use more of that. But I'm glad you had a peaceful day. And uh, just remember, uh, the truth of it is, Rusty, it, it's. He is risen. I mean, it really did happen. Hey, you know, it's real. He's alive, dude. He is. <laughs> he's alive. Makes the little hairs on your neck stand up. It does. It does. And it uh, it is so encouraging to recall and remember that uh, it's not just a bunch of cleverly made up fables or just a oh, superstition, no. you know, Easter bunny or whatever, but that yeah. he really lived, he really died, he really rose, and he lives today. Yep. You know, that's that's a wonderful thing. And he really bled, man. I mean, he yeah. was real. He took our punishment. Did you see uh, uh, any of the uh, Passion program? There are several programs on the TV about the life of Jesus. And I, I tell you, I don't know yeah. what it, I don't know what people might think of Mel Gibson, and he may be a little wacky. I don't have any idea. Stacy would know. She worked in Hollywood a long time. Maybe you have some thoughts on this, but I sure think he hit a home run with that Passion of the Christ. It's such a powerful well, film. I did not watch that on purpose. Really. Because yes, of because, because every of time Mel? I think about every time I think about what Christ went through, I just I just want to cry. I oh. mean, it breaks my heart. I do too. I did not want to see that. I didn't subject myself to that. Yeah, I've heard rave reviews and everything is great, and I know he done a good job on it. I cry every time, Rusty. I really do. But I still do when I see what he did for me. I just I did I just didn't want to put my yeah. through that. Yep. Well, no, I, I hear you. All these years, I haven't watched it. Well, someday maybe, but if not, it's not like we're going to lose our salvation if we don't watch it. That's for sure. But I I enjoyed, and I never, I haven't watched the whole film since the first time I saw it. But I did watch a segment or two, and it just reminds me that of the reality of what happened. It was, uh, it's not this sort of a nice, pretty sanitized thing. It was a, it was a real man taking a brutal beating and enduring. Jesus told his disciples, you know, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be tortured and persecuted, and I'm going to be put to death. And and um, he knew this was coming That's uh, and walked yeah. right into it, yeah. 
Soapy, I don't know how old you are, but back in the 70s, I remember this well, that uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. Uh, yes, I remember. I, I, I realize, you know, a little bit of it was, what do you call it, sacrilegious, almost? <laughs> Borderline, yes. But, you know, but, like but, Harry, but, but actually Harry quite Harry. respectful, really. Uh, it, it, was, it was. But the only thing I had objection about that was uh, they didn't show the resurrection. Yeah, hmm. true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a... That hey, was man, a I still got those songs running around in my head. <laughs> Try not to get yeah. worried. Try not to yeah, we know those. All, hey, all hey, of them. You want to answer? song, Herod's song. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Did you have yeah, a yeah, answer to You want to answer to one of the questions, uh, Rusty? Should we oh, put you yeah, to the test? Oh, yeah, y'all been dancing around it all night. <laughs> okay, man. let's... Uh, let's, get, let's the, the prophet's name was Nathan. That was Nathan, yes. We've been all trying to be careful not to say his name. But we yeah, well, okay, you. I blew it. Now. No, no, Nathan, that was for you to answer. I, I admire Nathan a great deal. It, t- it seems to me like it took courage to stick his finger in Dave, in the king's face and say, you're the man. You, you know, I, 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 And I think he had proven his love to David. It's a real principle for us in discipling people. If you can prove to someone, Rusty, that you love them and you really care about them, it's amazing how much instruction and guidance they'll take from you. I, if I they agree. believe you love I them. Mean, yeah. But really, you know, all the prophets died a hard one. It seems like. All yeah. a hard death. You know, the only one that was really scared was Jonah. Yeah. Jonah had his moment. He had his strengths. He had his weaknesses. Uh, but this Nathan, I, I admire him uh, a, a lot. I, I just somehow think that he he did good. He he used his influence uh, well. He he was encouraging, but he wasn't uh, afraid as well to to correct David and to call him on the carpet. Mm-hmm. Do we have context for Nathan? What his who um, he was, what his name meant, and that sort of thing. Well, even who his um, I mean, mentor may have been, or family, or how he even came. I don't know much. I, I I've just I've known some things, and then I f- I forget them uh, about yeah. Nathan. Something about I think I remember what his name meant. There was a time. Maybe we can come up with some little little bit of background on him. And then, Rusty, did you have another? Did you have another question that you were going to yeah. answer? Were you? I thought you were going to say something. Oh, no, y'all are supposed to ask me a hard one. You're supposed to be a hard Who's question. The one, uh, David had at least 20 sons, but I was the only daughter mentioned. Do we know her? Do you know who the only daughter of David was? Yeah, and I got a question about that. Her name was Tamar. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. You A-M-A-R. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, wow, man. Where's my rim shot? Not many people know that. Yeah. Well, there is a rim shot well, anyway, somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> one of his granddaughters, uh, I think it was one of Absalom's daughter's name was Tamar. Is that not correct? Oh, let's see. It, it may been. have been. Uh, there was another Tamar, and that was... Um, We'll read about it later. Oh no, we oh, read about we it earlier. Got there yet. That was that was. Uh, uh, remember, uh, the, the first son of uh, the oldest son of Jacob uh, was Reuben, right? And Reuben, I, I believe, had a, a a daughter-in-law named Tamar that he was supposed to. Remember, her husband died, and he was supposed someone was supposed to step oh, in yeah. and provide, and and they right. did. I think that her name was Tamar as well. Now there, that, it could be that that Absalom also named a child Tamar. I'm not quite sure, but it was Absalom's sister, of course. This yeah. was was actually was his, his sister, 
because Absalom was a son of, um, in other words, she was the son of the same mother right. as Absalom. And but uh, the other guy wasn't. No, the other I'll guy was not. So he was. So he, so he, he was with the, his half sister. Is what. So he were did. all of these women covered under an ingot, whatever. <laughs> these all. You kind of you worried about Sorry, that. Sorry, I'm the, still a little that divorced. Thing you've got Stacy a little, but no, because she was not married. Remember, this was Absalom's sister Tamar, and right. do you, what was the name of his brother, his half brother, who forced himself upon. Absalom's sister. Do you remember that? That's what, no, that's the one I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of. It, uh, uh, it it was David's firstborn, I think. I think yes. you're right. I think Absalom, you're right. Absalom was the third. Yes. Wow, good job. I think but he, I don't I think remember right. the first guy's name. And and see, I should. Yeah, you should. Right? It's, it's, it's an <laughs> awful sin for you not to know that. <laughs> go ahead and tell me. It's Amnon. 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 There you go. Or something like that. That, yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, and uh, and and Absalom got back at him. Yeah, he did. And, <laughs> it, uh, what a year or so later. I mean, I tell you what, I don't know a family life. It was rough in those days. I mean, life was. Uh, it seems to be quite primitive and brutal in those times. And of course, David complicated all of this by all of these wives and uh, if they'd only settled yeah. on God's plan for man, one man, one woman for life. Uh, we'd save ourselves a lot of trouble. And I hope our Supreme Court is listening as they try to redefine marriage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> these I keep days. thinking about the Partridge family. <laughs> oh, you yeah. Know? These blended, the blended family, the, you know, this. Yeah. yeah. A guy with three sons and a woman with three wife, three daughters. Oh, uh, yeah. It's crazy. They all seem to get together. Why can't we be like that? Yeah, get along or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was back in the 70s when we were all innocent. Uh, yeah, we lost that, I'm afraid, Rusty, a good while yeah, back. Sure. Hey, pal, good to hear from you, and I'm so hey, glad you had a good talk to peaceful... you. I hope a lot of people call in. Okay, well, they they might. We'll, we'll get them when they can. If not, I enjoy visiting with my daughter. It's the only time I get to just, <laughs> I get to nail her down and make her sit, and we get to visit. So Stacy's uh, uh, going to... Help me fill the next half hour, so we'll we'll get her done one way or the hey. other. Rusty. You <laughs> take care, friend. All right. Thank now, you. are you going to get some prizes from us, or you want to? I'd be glad yeah, to send I'll, them to I'll you. I'll hang on if my phone will let me. Okay, you hang on then. Aurora is going to get that uh, information from Rusty and give him uh, some of our prizes. Well, Stace, we could uh, put out some more questions before we go to our next break, if you'd like. Okay, let's see. Why don't we answer um, some of these that are out? Because Evidently, no one's. How how long did Samuel? How long did David have to wait to be crowned king of all Israel? Twenty five years. Twenty five <laughs> years. Do you know how how old he was when he was anointed? About thirty seven. Okay, so then he, first, he was Samuel, crowned when Samuel anointed him. He was uh, somewhere around twelve. Oh, okay. So 12 and and then 37 was crowned. 37, yeah, exactly. So, wow. How, Do you think his education was affected knowing that he was going to be king? Did Samuel educate him? No, Samuel didn't. We don't have any indication that Samuel saw him again uh, after after that 
one incident of, of going to his home and Enter Nathan. going through all of the children. <laughs> and, and so we don't have any indication there that Samuel got back with him or who I guess maybe Nathan. Now, evidently, David's family was a godly family. Remember, his grandmother was uh, um, uh, Ruth and Boaz, mm-hmm. you know, the grandparents, and they're in Bethlehem. And, and then his dad, um, I forgot the, um, the name there, but evidently they were a godly family. It was a very interesting situation there with David. Why God <laughs> chose him? Just... No doubt about it, he's a remarkable guy. And at twelve, they would have at twelve would have been the age that it was decided if they were going to go under education and kind of um, mentor esque, or they were going to into trade. Is that right? At twelve. Well, time was it was time of the bar mitzvah. That was when they became officially an adult at the end of their twelfth year. Um, I don't know about the like apprenticeship versus. I don't Study. know about that. Maybe you know more about me about it than I do. I well, we so. got to go right now. Quick break. We'll be right back for more from the Bible Live Quiz Show. This offer won't last. Call now. 1-800-863-5858. 800-863-5858. KSLR. KSLR.com. And on ChristianRadio.com. Tune in in the iHeartRadio app. Bible teachings from familiar voices. We are AM 630, The Word, KSLR, San Antonio. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show. Soapy and Stacy here taking your phone calls tonight. We've got a good number of questions out on the airwaves for you. We were going to answer some of them now that we've had out there so that if you've been listening and wondering, well, what is the answer to that, you'll have those. But we'll put some new ones out there as well. So we talked about the fact that David had to wait to be crowned king of all Israel for 25 years after Samuel, the prophet Samuel, first told him, that uh, he was going to be and anointed him to be the next king of Israel after Saul, but he had to wait a long time. And the, and the interesting thing about it wasn't just sitting around waiting. He was he was involved. He was part of. He was brought. Saul brought him into his palace. Um, uh, palace employment. You know, he was a he was a palace guard. He was made to play. He was a musician. Uh, and he had to flee for his life because Saul, found, of course, knew, found out about his... Anointing. He gained a great deal of popularity. David was really a remarkable guy. He, he was evidently a real man's man. I mean, he, he gathered men. Men followed him. They were loyal to him. Um, he was an actor. Remember the time he acted crazy, Stacy? Yes. He had he had drooled down through his beard, and he acted like he was crazy man just so he could get free. So he was an actor. He was a musician. He was a poet. He was a great warrior, courageous shepherd, raiser livestock. He and he brought his reign brought Israel to the peak of their power and wealth and influence there in the, in the Middle East. 
uh, under David, and then, of course, Solomon inherited it and then ruined it. <laughs> what took David 40 years to build, it took Solomon 40 years to tear it down and, and uh, bring about its, uh, you know, it, it fractured. It broke into the ten tribes of the north and, and the tribes in the south. But uh, So David is the answer to that, 25 years. Uh, what two physical desires did da- God did David use to illustrate uh, that how only God satisfies His Spirit in Psalm sixty three? What two physical desires? Easy, right? Uh, as the deer, That's as the hint. deer pan- panteth yeah. after the water brooks, so my soul panteth after thee. There was thirst and hunger. Uh, he used both of those to illustrate how God only satisfies the human spirit. Which does uh, mean it does carry a little bit more weight when you are in the desert walking around yes. and come upon a creek. It's interesting. Well, um, I well think said. I, I think that's important. It, well, it, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're so used to never being thirsty because we... We turn on the tap mm-hmm. and there's water, or, you know. Even or here never in being South Texas, hungry because yeah. we just yeah. eat so much for pleasure. But when you really are hungry because you've just been walking through the desert for hours and you're so thirsty. Uh, It's just an interesting, I mean, it's silly, but the metaphor does take on. Yeah. Additional meaning Mm -hmm. when we get into the context. It really does. No doubt about it. Well, Saul's son, Ishbosheth. Now, Ishbosheth, don't get confused. Ishbosheth with Mephibosheth. (laughs) Why? I mean, I, 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 it'd, like, it'd be interesting to know the meaning of those names. Those names as well. But Saul's son, Saul's son. Now his surviving son. His other sons were killed. Remember in that last battle there with the uh, was it the Philistines? Was that who they were fighting, or was it the? Uh, I, I think it was Philistines. But the surviving son Ishbosheth was a holdout. The ten northern tribes were kind of supporting him to be the king instead of David, and. Um, but his general Abner uh, did something. He slept with one of Saul's concubines. Her name was Rispa. And of course, there's so much of this in the Old Testament that we think, what were the, what was wrong with all these people? They were all perverts, and they were all they couldn't control themselves. Well, this was actually a very political maneuver. When you slept with the concubine or one of the political wives or concubines of the king. That was actually a claim. You were making a claim on the throne. It was it was interpreted not just simply to, uh, as adultery or you know messing around. You were actually making a political claim on the throne, and we see that throughout the Old Testament. There'll be other instances. Remember, I talked about Reuben a while ago. Reuben uh, slept with his father with Jacob's concubine, and. Remember that was held against him, and he was knocked out of being mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, inheritor. Uh, inheritor, not a, he. I think he may have still inherited, but he didn't. He wasn't the um, the one that gets a double inheritance, right? The, the, like the first point. Right. So he lost that privilege, the birthright. Uh, so this thing of sleeping with uh, the uh, the wife of the king or someone, it was actually it was not so much just the act of a. Of, a, of adultery, but it was also a political, it was interpreted politically that Abner here made a claim for himself to the throne. And Saul's son, Ishbosheth, accuses him of doing this, and Abner gets furious at him and then becomes a traitor and says, okay, I'm going to, 
I'm going to go tell David I'm going to support David instead of you. And this is crazy, you know. Uh, he got upset at it. And, but, of course, Joab cleaned up the mess. Good old Joab. Do you know about Joab, honey? Uh, refresh. David's general. He had to be one of the meanest, baddest son of a guns you can possibly <laughs> imagine. He killed, I mean, he was the one who killed Uriah the Hittite. Right. And he killed uh, Abner. And he killed Amasa, this other guy. He just, and he killed Absalom. And remember, Joab was a guy who didn't mess around. You know, he, and, and you, he's confusing because sometimes he almost seems like a believer. He he talks to David about God and trusting God and obeying God. And, and on the other hand, he is just, um, I mean, he just doesn't mess around. He when he wants something, he goes and gets it, and uh, you don't want to stand in his way. Um, I don't know. Maybe some of our listeners have a comment about Joab or something they may have known or heard. We'd love to hear from you. Our phone numbers, our phone lines are open right now, now 340-9585, 340-9585. If you're dialing long distance, 877-630-5757. I guess we've answered all of the questions now that were out. Let's go and put some new ones out there. Have you seen any of the questions that you kind of like, Stace? Um, well, I guess we could go still with the line of Abner and Ishbosheth. Okay. Um, before David would negotiate, I just think this is interesting. But, uh, uh, before is. David would negotiate peace with Abner and Ishbosheth, he made what one demand? So David makes a demand before he'll negotiate peace with Abner and Ishbosheth. You know, remember I told you that David, uh, that Abner <laughs> decided to change sides. So right. instead of uh, supporting, supporting Ishbosheth, he went to David Ishbosheth. and said, I'll, I'll support you now. <clears throat> and David said, that'll be fine. But there's one thing, there's one condition. There's one demand that I want to make. And it's found in Second Samuel chapter 3, verse 13 through 16. What was it that David demanded before he would be willing to make peace with Abner and Ishbosheth? It, it is rather curious. You would wonder why in the world he would want this, but it all go back. So it goes back to that playing politics. Evidently, politics have always been kind of strange, right, Stace? I mean, I guess politics have always been that right. way. Right. Well, it's one thing to right to read the story, but you know that there must have been so much behind the scenes yes. that you know we can just kind of imagine okay. what must have been between David and, okay, I'll give you a hint, between David and Saul. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> That would make him request this. A and, little bit of a hint there, yeah. Um, and and uh, so what did David demand before he would make peace right. with uh, Ishbosheth, Saul's son, and uh, Abner, his general? And you wonder, did he really just... Yeah. Okay. Well, why I won't he, say much. Why he wanted that? Is that <laughs> okay. what you were going to say? Well, right. I mean, there's, there's. You're right. It's about, really it's about it people. Yeah. I mean, it's it's people, and uh, the politics of it really does boil down to individual people even getting along. And David and this relationship with Saul and with what he wanted. It, it's just interesting. But um, how about question number nine? Okay. After trying to deceive Uriah. To cover his sin, tried to deceive Uriah and get Uriah to go home and be with his wife and so on, Bathsheba. After trying to deceive Uriah to cover his sin and he was unsuccessful, David ordered Joab, good old Joab, to have Uriah killed. How did they arrange 
to have Uriah killed? Can you answer that question for us? Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 14. How did they arrange between David and Uriah? How did they arrange to have Uriah killed? Second Samuel chapter 11. That's another question for you. Anything else? Um, uh, how about from Psalm? Oh, Should yeah. How about Psalm one from the Psalm? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's do... do, do, do. Um, in many of David's Psalms, he complains to God and asks for protection from enemies that betray him and conspire against him. Name two people who wrongly attacked David. And this is two out of, well, we have four. We have four written here, but you might come up with some extra ones. (laughs) Really? He seemed to have plenty of enemies. But so Um, name two of the people who wrongly attacked David, who, who, who conspired against him or so on uh, during, during his lifetime. And we have four of them written here. It shouldn't be too awful hard for you to get. Mm-hmm. Name two of those people that might have been in David's mind when he wrote these psalms complaining to God and asking for protection from enemies. Uh, nowadays, Stacy, how do you interpret when you read the psalms and, and David you know, says, deliver me, Lord, from my enemies and so on. And uh, when you read those, how do you interpret those and apply those to your life? Do you have any enemies like David had right. enemies? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's interesting. We have such a softer culture now. It's a little bit more sophisticated as far as what an enemy is. Um, that, in a that, way, you that at least... bad neighbor who, uh, who <laughs> the neighbor who steals your newspaper or his dog comes over in your yard. Or, uh, that wouldn't qualify as an enemy, right? I mean, that's that's just someone you have a little bit of a difference with maybe. Some guy at work is your comp- competition for a certain promotion. That wouldn't be necessarily an enemy. Uh, how do we interpret these passages today? How can we interpret them in a way that would be edifying? Well, that would then, be mm-hmm. well. I think it's. I mean, it's kind of easy to. I mean, you can just pull metaphors from it. But it's also interesting that we. I think assume that an enemy is a bad thing necessarily or is a bad person even necessarily um david they say if you have no enemies you're something you're you're not doing right well well or even that we you know david says deliver me from my enemy to him those are his enemies uh but on the flip side of it you know david i guess is there and i mean you get into the dynamics of really war i mean they were at war this is very clearly an enemy and um, so David was a man of war. He lived. I mean, he. That's one reason he was not allowed to build the temple because he had been a, a man of war. There was right. blood on his hands. And well, and societies were so much smaller back then. So individuals probably did tend to have more very real war-like enemies. Now we don't really see our enemies as much, just because we're your competition on the soccer team. Maybe right. I don't know. Well, I've always took it. You could say. Now, the the New Testament, we're told that as God's people, we have three very definite enemies, the world, the flesh, and the de- the devil. And so we can think of our own sinful desires as part of the enemies of God. That's, that's the whole metaphor you were talking about, that, right. that we can, you know, we can uh, yes. go in and we want to claim all of our life for, for God, the, pro- the promised land, and give him all of it and clear out all the idols and all of the the false worship and all ideas in our life. So some of those could be considered uh, 
Lord, deliver me from my enemies, which are my selfish desires and my egotism and my anger, or uh, the you know the world, you know these world pressures that press in upon us, uh, right. of of to, you know peer pressure or world pressure to to conform to the world's values instead of God's values. Uh, so we can take those as enemies and ask, use right. them, interpret those passages of Scripture as as asking God to give us victory over those enemies in our lives. Mm-hmm. Well, right. I mean, and then ultimately the only real deliverance from an enemy is to kill him well no it is to (laughs) okay (laughs) the apache just jumped out okay no i I, I guess joab a woman's perspective i'm just kidding no i mean the only real deliverance would be to to rise above the to claim some to claim a relationship with someone who is above enemies, if that makes sense. In other words, you know, David might not even necessarily, I mean, he knows that this is my enemy because he wants to live. But when you recognize that there is a God that's sovereign over all parties, then, you know, being kind of in relationship with him rises, you know, pulls you above it all. True. Um, I mean, and I know that there's kind a level of, of a, security that you experience when you identify with God. Yeah. Right. And so, and that is the ultimate deliverance is that I no longer, you know, have enemies in that sense, because who, what is even death, you know, to right. me when uh, I am, you know, he uh, is our ab- victory. Above. Yeah. Right. I uh, like that. But I, you know, and of course that's not very, I don't know if David meant that, if he meant deliver me from my enemies by, you know, pulling me higher than, than, uh, no, I this. think sometimes or he if he literally him, I don't want to die. <laughs> kill him, Lord. Probably. I, uh, okay. Tear off their arms and beat them to death with the bloody end of it. That sometimes but he was a poet. So maybe yeah, yeah. he was speaking in poem. <laughs> yeah, poetry, po- poetic license, I guess, was there. Yeah, when you, it's funny thing is you read Psalm 139 or some of these other psalms that are called um, um, psalms of uh, penitence, where he, uh, oh, no, that's not the right word. He calls on God to judge his enemies. And God, you know, don't I hate them that hate you? And, yeah. you know, and, and Lord, just kill them and destroy them, you know, Lord, your enemies. And But we do all have to remember, too, that, David isn't God, and David is just expressing as a man, as a sinful, fallen man, he's simply expressing honestly and unreservedly to his God and and intimately his real feelings. It doesn't mean that those real feelings are right. And and maybe he was just venting in time, God... I mean, there's. I think there's there's room for that. A little bit of that interpretation that David was just coming to God, and that we too can go to God and say, Lord, you know, I don't like this. I don't like what's happening in our government. I don't know what, like what these people are doing to our country and what's happening. Lord, would you, I just pray you defeat these enemies and that you'd remove them. Lord, take out their power and remove their foundation of power and their finances. Lord, we we need you, Lord, to step in for our country. I mean, I think we can pray like that, and. Um, Trust God. I mean, we're, as long as we are free to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's how I feel, and that's what I'm going to tell God. Now, I'm I'm also open to God correcting my attitude. If I, if it turns out that I have a bad attitude, that I'm not loving my enemies as, as I necessarily should, or whatever, <clears throat> I'm sure God will correct me and set me straight. But I, I guess there's a couple of lessons you can get from those prayers that David prayed about these matters. One is honesty. The freedom we have to be honest with God. And the other is the thing I said of 
you know, maybe our enemies today would be more, Lord, help me to overcome my anger and my selfishness and my this this habit, this bad habit I have. Uh, that would be an enemy that we would want God to destroy and drive out of our lives uh, <laughs> since we belong to him now. You know, so we want that. don't want that in our lives. Well, let's get uh, another question. We don't have much time, but we can put out. Uh, we have that one question. Before David would negotiate peace, what one demand did he make from uh, Abner and Ishbosheth? And um, how did David and Joab, <clears throat> I'm sorry, how did they arrange to have Uriah killed? That's in Second Samuel chapter 11. Any of those other questions that... Um, Oh, here's one. I, I think this would be interesting. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Stacy. Who am I? Read number 17. And my voice is sure. going. Uh, okay, so it's a who am I? I was the fourth son of David and Bathsheba, who became king after David. That one's I think that would surprise a lot of people. Really? That he was the fourth son of David and Bathsheba. Oh, well. He was not. Way. He was not the the oldest son of David and Bathsheba. Of course, is this uh, fourth out of the... Okay, so there were 16, though, above him? Oh, with him. I don't know about above. <laughs> I, I never have been able to straighten all... But of him and Bathsheba. Right. So where do him and Bathsheba Remember, the first son died, the, uh, the first right. child, the, the child from their illicit relationship. And then after that, he David had other children with Bathsheba, and but but Solomon was actually oh. <laughs> Okay. I'll say it was Solomon. Okay. okay. I'll say Solomon was actually the fourth son of David and Bathsheba. Okay. But I've got another question about him. What was Solomon's ever, other name? What uh, the prophet came to David when Solomon was a baby and said you should call that baby and didn't say Solomon. He said you should give him you call him this. And I'll give you a hint. It means beloved of the Lord, loved of the Lord. What name did the prophet say that David should call uh, that baby who, who grew up to be Solomon? Hmm, yeah. The prophet. I hadn't made. I hadn't made. I've heard of both. Just if this is any kind of a hint, I've heard of both, but I had not made the connection that they were the same person. Yeah. Big same guy. Interesting. Um, okay, and then I want to put one question out okay. there. Okay. Okay. So. Just because it starts with, how did a wise woman? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, how did a wise woman save her city from destruction and end the rebellion of Sheba? Honey, that is so f- interesting a question. Talk about Joab. <laughs> this woman, Joab had nothing on this woman. Uh, she did. Yikes. She was, I mean, it's a little, uh, yeah. She was a hard negotiator. Um, it's found in Second Samuel chapter 20, verses 16 through 22. Yep. Um, Some fellow that was involved in the rebellion after the time of of, uh, of Absalom, he rebelled against uh, David, and they went and got him. And this woman, uh, he hid out in this city, and this woman did something. To save her city from destruction, uh, she did something. And this fellow was named Sheba, or Sheba, I don't know how you pronounce it, but uh, yeah. Second Samuel chapter 20 what did she do to save her city from destruction? Now, that, what is, how many questions is that out there? One, two, three, four. There's four good questions out there for you. Still time for you to call in and be our final winner here, if you'd like to, 
or maybe a couple of winners if you call in quickly. The phone lines are totally open. If you'd like to give us a call, answer any of those questions. Uh, I'll go through them really quickly. Before David would negotiate peace with Abner and Ishbosheth, Saul's son, he made a demand. What was that thing he demanded? In Second Samuel chapter three, verse thirteen. And then, after trying to deceive Uriah to cover his sin of adultery with his wife Bathsheba, David ordered Joab to have Uriah killed. How did they arrange between the two of them? How did they arrange uh, to have Uriah killed? Oh, boy, that's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. Second Samuel chapter 11. And then let's go to uh, Solomon was given. A, there was another name that Solomon was given. Uh, the prophet, actually, Nathan, came and said to David, you should call his name what? Uh, and the name means beloved of the Lord. And this may have been the first signal of God's indication that that Solomon was to be David's successor. This may have been the first indicator that uh, Solomon was the one that was to follow David as king. He, like I said, he was not the firstborn. He was not even the firstborn of uh, of Bathsheba. He was the fourth son of David and Bathsheba. But this may have been the signal from the prophet that that uh, Solomon was to be his successor. It's not certain for sure necessarily. Maybe Jacob or uh, someone with that Hebrew perspective would give us a little bit more direction on that. But anyway, my question is, what was his other name that the prophet gave for Solomon as a, as a child? Can I put you on the spot a little bit? Please do. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I mean, I, I think one of the themes of... I mean, maybe it, uh, not necessarily obvious, but in second in, in Samuel and kind of this time, you know, Saul and yes, his concubine Samuel. And, I mean, Solomon, and well, we know his sort of reputation, and and then David, um, and uh, and then of course the recognizing that Simon, you know, while this is all happening, um, throughout history, kind of their place and time. Um, they're a people group, uh-huh. and uh, you know, Speaking hindsight. Of, of the Jewish people now, right? Okay. A people Israel? group out mm-hmm. of which there's a story developing, mm-hmm. and there's a context with all of this. There, um, there are the there are other people in the world, and and the interaction of right. them with other cultures, and then even within one another, their interaction, Saul with David, um, Saul and the prophets, the kings, um, and then you know you do enter in. In, enter in the idea of marriage or even of any of these laws that are in place and what the relationship is between these between a society and um and kind of uh, and the uh what's the word the, Am I, should I wrap we it up? We don't have too okay. much time, but uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, the relationship between the laws as a means of furthering a society and um, with the word where you want it to, longevity and mm-hmm. versus though. Stabilize, the, the stabi- stabilizing. Sure, versus input. the laws of, of kind of God and, and nature's laws. You know, you think of the Ten Commandments, but versus. This in Getty or whatever the case is. That's all the time we got. Okay, well then, never mind. <laughs> we'll get to that question next week, I mean, folks. I, guess I hope you'll relative. join us. See you next week, folks. 
Join Sophie next Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The Bible Live Quiz Hour. (laughs) Visit our website, thebiblelive.com. That's thebiblelive.com for more information about Sophie and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials and make tax-deductible donations to help us broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 